Hey, good morning. Welcome. I want to welcome all our campuses joining us together, whether in Branson, uh, up in Pflugerville, Dripping Springs, Central, South, Buda, or online, wherever you are. We're, we're, we're trying to come together at the start of this series talking about who I am. Because, I don't know if you've realized it, but most of us spend our lives trying to either figure out or prove who I am. And, and, and it's kind of like this. I'll give you an analogy. You know, um, if you've heard me before, you know Kathy and I, uh, years ago in the 90s, we lived overseas for a year. But what I haven't told you is when we were coming back, um, we had all our possessions in our car in Dallas, going through Dallas, and our car got robbed. And so literally everything we had that we had lived overseas with in a, in a year, for a whole year, uh, got taken, which after making a move about four years ago, I'm like, we got everything we had in a car? <laughs> you know, like, things were much simpler back then, weren't they? So, um, you know, we go on about our lives and about six or eight months later, we start getting notified um, by, by agencies, collection agencies, that Kathy Burke had charged thousands of dollars of bling at an upscale jewelry store in Dallas on a credit card we didn't even know we had. And now we owed it. And then a few months later, we find out that Kathy had bought thousands and thousands of dollars of clothing, like whole new Neiman Marcus-style wardrobes of clothing, all right? She's more of the Target than the Neiman Marcus, by the way. But, uh, and, and we owed money for that. And then we find out that Kathy had also bought enough furniture to redo our little condo five times over on another credit card we didn't know we had. Now, here's the thing. This is back in the 90s before, you know, identity theft was, was well known. Um, we owed legally for all of that until we could prove that Kathy's identity is different from this person who had, had bought all this stuff. And we were not feeling the payoff of all these purchases, just all the cost. But do you know that back then it took us two years of fighting to try to prove Kathy's identity? And finally, she had to go and change her name. She literally had to change her middle name uh, to, to get her identity secure again. Now, I, t I say that to you because the truth is all of our identities have been lost or stolen along the road of life, even if we don't fully realize it yet. And in this series, Who I Am, we're gonna be talking about how we lose our, our true sense of identity. In other words, our identity according to who God created us to be, our maker, our identity according to our maker, and how false identities contend to seep in, and they may actually work for us for years, but ultimately they start to undermine who we were really created to be. And as we'll see, it's even gonna ultimately require a new name. <laughs> that God actually has a new name for you already picked out because only God actually knows who you are. And that's something that, that we're gonna talk about today. Now, it may be hard to see. Maybe you're saying, oh, I know who I am. I, I'm, I'm secure. But the truth is all of us has struggled with this sense of identity. And maybe you've seen signs. Here, here are some of the signs, just a few. Have you ever been worried about the opinions of other people? 
You know, have you ever worried about what they're thinking about you? Well, that's a sign of a lost identity, of an insecure identity. You ever felt anxiety about not succeeding or not being recognized as you should be, right? Well, that at the root has to do with identity. Or have you ever found yourself lowering your standards to fit in or to be loved? Well, that too is a sign of a lost identity. Or have you ever, have you ever started to like try to control the behavior or thoughts of your spouse or your children because they reflect on who you are? No, that's a sign of a lost identity as well. Or if you've ever become defensive or angry when you feel like someone thinks you're wrong or uh, have said something and you take it personally and you can't let go, that too is a sign of loss. There are so many signs. There's so many ways that we end up harming ourselves or harming our relationships when we live out of a false identity. Now, to help us start to recover our true identity, here's what you need to know up front. First of all, you will never know who you really are until you're face-to-face with your creator, which means that life is a journey of identity formation. It's a journey of, of letting go of the old things that we thought were who we were and learning the, the new things of who God really created us to be. So there will always be a struggle with identity, and that's why we've got to go back to the source for clarity. So let me show you. From the very beginning, God says this in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And by the way, the other animals weren't created in the image of God. He created you in his image to image or reflect something about your creator. And, and he created you uniquely to reflect something about him. Only God knows who you are because he created you to be something that only he can tell you. And that's why to the prophet Isaiah, God says this, this, this is what the Lord says, he who made you, he who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you, do not be afraid, he says. And then to the prophet Jeremiah, he says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hear that, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, set you apart for a, for a purpose. And by the way, this is true about you. God knew you before your parents even named you. God saw you and knew who he thought up and who he created you to be before, before you existed in this world. You existed in the mind of God. He alone knows you better than you know you, and he knows who he created you to be. You know, I, uh, I coached my son's basketball team years ago, and um, there were two identical twins on that team. Uh, and it was so difficult for me because as hard as, as, uh, as hard as I tried, I could not tell them apart. So I was always yelling at Cade to pass the ball when it was actually Zach or, you know, telling Zach to do this and it was actually Cade and I, I, I couldn't straighten them out. But, you know, here's the thing. Even though their physical features um, were similar, their fingerprints were unique. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't see their fingerprints from that far away, right? But, you know... 
This is an interesting thing. Even identical twins who have virtually indistinguishable, indistinguishable DNA because they come from the same zygote still have unique fingerprints. Isn't that interesting? I, I think it's God's physical reminder of a spiritual reality. No two of us are the same. We were created unique with an identity that was uniquely meant to reflect something about our creator. We have unique fingerprints, spiritual fingerprints to the creator. It's kind of like we are, we are all facets of a diamond that reflect the same light, but different aspects of that light. But in a world separated from God, our original identity gets lost, gets confused. But think about it this way, you know, um, I mean, some, some think we were just biological accidents. But if we're just biological accidents, we're the most highly evolved of all the biological accidents, right? So think about this. Why is it that humans, the most highly evolved, would uniquely have a problem with their identities? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, why do humans always want to be somebody else? Why do we envy others, right? You don't see this with lower evolved life forms. I mean, can you, can you imagine the, the news headlines? Herds of cats chasing cars out of dog envy, right? Cats are getting hurt and wounded because they can't keep up with the cars and they're getting, you know. No, no, cats don't want to be dogs, but humans want to be someone else. We uniquely lose the sense of who we are and it's serious. Do you know that the second leading cause of death among teens and 20-somethings is suicide? The, the second thing that, that destroys a young life is suicide. Why? Well, it's, it's obviously complicated, but at the root, many times it's insecurity of not knowing who I am, not feeling secure in, in who I am. And so how does, how does that happen? Well, we have to realize that we are in fact moldable creatures. We're moldable creatures. Now, none of us really want to admit that. What we all want to say is, no, I, I make myself. I'm independent. I think for myself. No one shaped or formed me. I did it myself. But if we really think about it, it's not true. You know, we were shaped and formed by families by peers, by the playground, by teachers, by coaches. And the truth is, the more we valued those people's opinion or approval, the more their messages shaped us. Now, what that means, not all of that was bad, but what that means is regaining our true identity, we have to shift it in our mind. Paul says it this way in Galatians 1.10. He says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If people pleasing, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. In other words, you can't follow Christ and be a people pleaser, trying to, trying to win the approval of others because that's gonna lead you astray from who God says you are. So a, a, a first step really in, in regaining our true sense of identity is letting go of people pleasing. Stop worrying about what people think. They don't know who you are. Only God does, and only he can really tell you. But we all struggle with this, me included, all of us. We all received messages growing up that shaped us. And by the way, many of them 
are still subconscious to us. And that's the tricky part. They just feel like they're right because it's how we were shaped. It's how we grew up. It's the water we grew up in. And so it shaped our sense of, of identity and we carry these messages with, with us. Now, some of the messages are true. In other words, they are in line with what God intended and what he said was true about us, but other messages are lies and they're actually leading us away from what God says is true about who he created us to be. And so a part of recovering our identity is understanding which are true and which are false. That's why Jesus said this in John eight thirty one. You are truly my disciples, my followers, if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he, he is gonna guide us and lead us in, in what he says is true. But in a world turned away from God, we get bombarded by lies all the time that try to get us to live out of a false sense of self. All of us, we get imprinted with, with messages. And how much these messages imprinted our, our soul, our sense of identity, depended on how early they were, how often we heard them, or how we interpreted events that happened to us. So, so let's think about that. Um, for instance, how, how early a message came to us might have shaped the way we now view ourselves and, and others. I know a woman who... Uh, Third grade, on the playground, there was a group of, of bully guys and they picked out one feature about her and just picked on her, picked on her, picked on her. And as a result, she began to internalize lies that said, I'm ugly, I'm, I'm damaged, you know, no one wants anything to do with me until I fix this, this thing and, and everyone's saying bad things about me. And it so imprinted her that decades later, she was still living out of that. She would avoid groups of people. She had anxiety around groups because she knew they were talking bad about her. But the truth is she was a very attractive person. If you, if you saw her, if you met her, but see these false messages that we get early on, they can, they can lock in and, and cause us to live out of a false identity. So how early we got the messages, how often we got the messages also shaped us. All right, so um, do a little experiment with me. And even those of you watching online, okay, all over, I want you to say this out loud, all right? Uh, say it out loud with me here in the room and on the different campuses. All right, we're gonna say the word joke 10 times, ready? Say it out loud with me, ready? Joke, 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 joke. Okay, what does a frog say? Croak, right. What's the white part of, a, of an egg called? Yolk. Yolk, that's wrong. The white part of an egg is called the egg white. Okay, this is marketing 101, right? It's marketing 101. Now, now, now here's the thing. When we hear things over and over and over again, we think we can sort it all out, but the truth is we get influenced. Right? And friends, if this weren't true, why do you think smart people at companies, you know, Fortune 500 companies would spend billions of dollars trying to influence you? Because you are, and I am, we are influenceable. So when we get messages over and over again, we got those messages over and over again, we have to sort through, how has that affected me? Because here's the other reality. We live in an evil world. And we're gonna talk more about this in the next couple of weeks. 
but evil is constantly bombarding us with messages attacking your identity. And as we'll see, evil attacked Jesus' identity. It's how evil tries to manipulate us. But the thing I want you to see today is just to, to consider and realize my identity is under attack, all of us. It's true for all of us. My identity is under attack. And now I need to decide who am I going to believe about who I am? Who am I gonna believe about who I am? Maybe you've been believing just your inner thoughts and feelings. Maybe inner thoughts and feelings you've had since you were very little. But let me ask you a question. How do you know you haven't been bombarded with messages by evil that have shaped those inner thoughts and feelings? Have you asked God about it? Have you gone before him? Have you considered what he says and thinks? Or, you know, maybe you've believed mom or dad or some other important person. And, and, and it might even been that they gave you good messages, but have you asked God about how it affected you? Because sometimes even good messages can get interpreted in ways that can do us harm. You know, you're smart. You'll never fail. And now I can never fail. Well, can anybody never fail? You see what I'm saying? So sometimes even good messages can get interpreted in ways that, that mess up who we really are. Events also shape your identity. And the thing we have to realize is we interpret events and our interpretation of those events can shape our identity. Maybe traumatic events, maybe crisis events, maybe high point events. But these interpretations are messages that, that we give ourselves. Now again, you know, what I've seen as a pastor for 30 plus years is that evil loves to inflict wounds, traumas, abuses on people and then seed them with lies and messages that can manipulate them for years to come. Maybe you had setbacks. Maybe you had struggles growing up. Maybe you, hear, you heard messages like, I'm always gonna lose and then I'm a loser. Well, that's a lie from the evil one. Uh, but maybe we internalize them. Now, the thing is, we can change the message because you can also fight lies, right? The same, the same very events could also be interpreted as I don't give up, I'm an overcomer, right? So we're not just victims. We can take responsibility even for the ways we interpreted things and we can begin to follow God to change our minds so we don't live out of that old identity, that old self. But we have to realize that, you know, we do make interpretations and they become lenses through which we see the world. Let me, let me give you just a kind of crazy example. Let's say, let's think we're, we're back, we're back in our high school years, okay? You guys won't have to think too hard. But we're back in our high school years and I invite you to a party, all right? And, um, and as we're walking in, I say to you, hey, I, I know you don't know these people too well, um, but they've heard some things about you. They kind of think you're weird, so don't do anything weird, okay? And then I walk in, and you follow me in, and you're like, you're all shaken up inside. Like, what? What? And, and, and you know, then you, you, meet, you meet the hostess, and, and, um, and, and she, doesn't, she doesn't seem to smile at you as much as you thought. She seems a little nervous, and, and now you know why. She thinks you're weird. Oh no. And, and then you're standing around at the party and you look around and there's, there's someone across the room looking at you and then turns and says something to someone else and 
you know what they're saying. They're talking about how weird you are, right? Of course. And, 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 you know, and then maybe some, you're around a group of people and they make a joke about, you know, the region of the country or the country you're from. And suddenly it's all about you. They're making fun of you and your region, your country, right? Maybe not. Maybe that's completely wrong. Maybe, in fact, what have I told you? In fact, I like the hostess and I lied to you because she asked me to invite you and I'm jealous of you. So I told you a lie because I'm jealous. And she was actually nervous because she likes you, the hostess. And those people weren't saying something bad about you. They're admiring you to say something nice about you. And the joke had nothing to do with you. But you can see, friends, how that's what happens. Then we begin to interpret everything in the whole world out of a false sense of, of who I am. And our, our lives often end up like that. You see, God created us to find joy and meaning and purpose out of a secure identity, a secure sense of who you are according to the one who made you, right? And as we're gonna see, he made you good. And he sees something great, wonderful, unique in you. And he intended us to live relationally connected out of that sense of security. But evil imprints us. You know, if you had trauma, if you had a abuse, you probably heard you're worthless in your thoughts, if not directly from some person who was manipulated by evil. If you were sexually abused, and by the way, I'm talking to at least a third of us. I mean, it's sad. Evil is at work in the world. And you probably heard shameful thoughts. You're dirty. You know, you're, you're scarred. Your body is not your own. You're only worth what you can do for others with your body to be used. Those are lies, but they imprint our identity and we live out of those things. Maybe it was bad information about our looks or our race or sexuality or, or our abilities. There are all kinds of ways that evil tries to seed messages that twist us up and then get us living out of something that God says is not true about us. I mean, think about if, you know, it can even be, it can even be something that was a gift, like I said before. Maybe, maybe you're really smart and, and you got this message that you always have to be right. And then, and then someone challenges you with something and inside you react because you can't be wrong. Well, that's a, that's a twisted sense of identity. Or maybe, maybe you're beautiful, and yet you got your sense of worth or value, a sense of identity from getting people to look and notice your beauty. Okay, well, then what happens when you're married and you start to feel insecure? You got to get people to look? Well, that's not going to work real well. And do you see, but this happens to all of us, is, is this sense of self gets twisted and then it leads us down roads that ultimately destroy us or destroy the things we want. All right, so how do we start to recover a lost identity? And this is what we're gonna deal with for the next three weeks, all right? But we're gonna start today by understanding more of God's intentions for you in Christ. You know, there, there's this phrase throughout scripture, in Christ. Maybe you don't, I've never really thought about what that means. The book of Ephesians, where, where I wanna encourage you to camp out this week, 
The book of Ephesians talks a lot about this new self or this true self God created you to be that can be restored in Christ. In fact, it, it says this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Okay, Saved just means set right relationally. God restored relationship with you by his grace when you believed. Belief is just faith or trust, right? As I've said before, it's what every relationship requires, trust. So when you trust in God, when you put your faith in him, he makes you right with him. And it says you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. You don't have to earn relationship. It's just a gift. You either receive it with gratitude or you say, no, thanks. That's it. Salvation, right relationship with God, is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Why did God do this? Because you are his masterpiece. Do you see that? You are his work of art. And so he has created you anew in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you identify with Christ, he begins to renew, restore what he created you to be so you can do the good things he planned long ago before he formed you in the womb. You see that? God wants to restore who you truly are. And salvation, like I said, just means we're set right with God and that's a gift of grace. Grace means something we didn't deserve. And God is doing this because he sees you as a unique work of art, his unique masterpiece. But that masterpiece might have been damaged along the way. It might have been scarred or torn along the way, but he is the creator so he can restore you to who he created you to be. And that's a lifelong journey. But it begins by re-identifying with the one who made us. And, and, and friends, this is why Jesus came to pay the price for all our sins, right? That, it's so that God can be just in not making you earn something you don't deserve and I don't deserve. And he can be just in saying, you're forgiven, you're restored. Now, let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever just accepted that gift? All you have to do is just say to God, I want what Jesus did to count for me. God, I want your forgiveness. I want relationship with you. Have you told him that? If not, tell him today. Why not? I mean, just consider what he wants for you. Isn't it what you want for yourself? So when you tell him that, now you are in Christ. In other words, God sees you through a new identity, the one he originally created you to have. And that's why we're instructed in Ephesians chapter four. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off that old self that self without God at the center, without God involved in your life, being corrupted by deceitful desires and instead be made new in the attitude of our minds. Our, our minds have to be made new to put on the new self created to be like God. You were created to be like God. Do you realize God, God is not lacking? God is not insecure. God is not missing joy. God is not missing the fullness of love and worthiness at all. And you were created to be in his image like him. But that's a lifelong journey of exchanging that old sense of identity or self for what God says is true. And that means we first have to learn 
what God says is true. And then as we're gonna talk about in the weeks to come, we have to learn to resist lies that bombard us, that make us insecure, or try to undermine who God created us to be. So let's start this week, okay? I wanna give you an exercise to do this week. In Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapters one through three, it talks a lot about who we are to God. That when you are in Christ, when you have accepted this gift of relationship that has been bought for you in Christ, here's what God says is true about you. And what I want you to do, and we're gonna, we're gonna practice it right now. So I want you to kind of take on a reflective attitude and ask yourself, do I see myself the way God sees me? Can I say this? And it's not just saying it, but in time, it's meditating on it long enough to actually act out of it so you experience it as true. And it's personal, so what I want you to do is read through Ephesians and make it personal and just meditate on it like we're gonna do right now. So let's do this together. This is who I am to God, all right? And I want you to just say it in your heart. Just try it on. I'm blessed. Just in your heart, say it. I am blessed. Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me, his personal. He created you, who's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because I am united with Christ. Others may have cursed you. They may have called you names. They may have said you're worthless, you're ugly, you're an idiot, but it's not true because your maker says, no, you're blessed. You're blessed by God. Can you say that in your heart? I'm blessed by God. That's who I am. And I'm loved. Ephesians 1, 4, even before he made the world, God loved me. God loved me before he made the world. Do you realize you are lovable? You're lovable because the one who is love loves you. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or has said. And he's crazy in love with you. He's more in love with you than you've ever been with anybody, including your children. More than I am with my grandkids. You know how crazy I am about my grandkids, right? And my, my, my granddaughters haven't done anything for me yet. They haven't even washed my car once. But I'm crazy about them. You know why? Because they're mine. And that's why God's crazy about you, because you're his. You're created for his love. Can you say that? I am worthy of love because I'm loved by God and I'm chosen. God loved me and chose me in Christ. We all want to be chosen. We all want to be wanted, desired, picked, and yet in this world, no matter how much someone wants us or desires us, it still falls short because we were ultimately made to be wanted and chosen by God. And you are, you are, God chose you. You don't have to prove you're worthy to anybody because you belong to him in Christ. Can you say that? In Christ, I am chosen. I belong to God. And I'm holy and without fault. Okay, now this one's gonna be a hard one to swallow. 
I'm holy and blameless, some translations say. Now, none of us are blameless because we have not, not done things that we could be blamed for. And yet in Christ, God doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your sins. He sees you in Christ and he already paid to wash it all away, past, present, and even future. It's an amazing mystery. But that's what it says in Ephesians 1. God loved me and chose me in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Do you believe that? When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your faults. He sees you as set apart for what he created you to do and be, and you are blameless in his sight. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased my freedom with the blood of his son and forgave my sins. Say that over and over this week. Meditate on it over and over. It's personal. Do you believe it? Do you experience that kind of security? Can you say, I am holy. I am forgiven. I'm blameless in God's eyes. That's who I am in Christ. And I'm God's child. God decided in advance to adopt me into his own family by bringing me to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. You realize God got great pleasure in doing all he did to adopt you. And in Christ, you realize you are a daughter. You are a son of a king. That means you're royalty. You ever thought about that? Now, we live in a world that doesn't recognize this king, right? But this is the king of all kings. This is the king of all rulers, of all presidents. And you are his adopted child, royalty. That's who you are. Can you say, I'm royalty because I'm God's own, own child. And so I'm wise. He has showered his kindness on me along with all wisdom and understanding. You know, think of, think of how many of us spend our lives trying to prove we're smart enough or good enough or not, not dumb. And yet what he says is, none of that matters. None of the knowledge or the affirmations of the world matter. What matters is wisdom. And wisdom is knowing the right thing to do and doing it. And that comes from the Holy Spirit leading us in wisdom. And guess what? In Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you and guiding you. You are wise because God's spirit is in you. Now we learn to live in all these things that God says is true, but we have to start by saying, I am wise. I am capable of wisdom. In Christ, I am. And I am his artwork, as we saw. You are his masterpiece, like we read before. He's the master artist. He created you. And there's so much more that he's going to restore in you, but it starts by deciding, will I believe what God says about who I am or all these other voices, including my own? So I want to encourage you to meditate on Ephesians 1 through 3, making it personal like we just did, and just begin to go over and over it and think about, do I experience this as true? And start to ask God, God, help me Live out of what you say is true more and more.
We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song on all our campuses, uh, but first I wanna lead us in a prayer. But, but as we sing this song, I want you to just think about this. Do I believe these words are true? Let's pray. God, thank you that even though all of us have gotten lost, you remind us that before the world began, you not only created us, but you loved us. And Jesus came to tell us, you are a good father who seeks after us. You chase us down, trying to call us back to who you made us to be. And so God, as we begin this process of letting you restore our true identity, Help us to realize that there's no fear in that because when we become more of who you created us to be, it's who we want to be. It's becoming fiercely ourselves with security and joy and, and, and fully using the gifts, um, the artistic or the, the thoughtfulness, the things that you gave us that we are good at and being confident in it. And so Lord, we pray you would lead and guide us to know what's true about us according to you and who you say we are in Jesus' name, amen.